The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Happy Tuesday. I am back from the big island of Hawaii. And, uh, uh, you know, it's funny. I was never a huge fan of Hawaii. Don't get mad. My brother lives there. People in Hawaii. I love it. But like Maui, the first time I went, I'm very blessed to have traveled a lot. Travel is very important to me. And um, you might say travel is my crack. (laughs) I love it. I'm addicted. I I love traveling. I also have a very busy, insane life. I really do. And I I need the break. I need a lot of breaks. (laughs) But um, first time I went to Maui, I was like, I don't get it. Why does everybody love it so much? And uh, second time I went, when I liked it more. Third time I went, liked it more. Uh, Kauai. Uh, first time I went, I was like, why does everybody like it so much? Second time I went, uh, liked it more. I think I've only been there twice. I've been to Oahu uh, many times because my brother lives there in Honolulu and has for over 20 years. So I used to go visit him once a year. And I've never been to the Big Island. I went to the Big Island. I really didn't think I was going to like it, but I loved it. I loved it. And it wasn't the, you know, black, black lava and stuff. But I did two things that were on my bucket list. So I just wanted to share. I did the night dive with Manta, uh, with the Manta Rays. And it was so incredible. I seriously, I cried in my snorkel under the water because I couldn't believe this beautiful creature, you know, was touching me. I mean, he was doing flips and he's, you know, touching me right there in the water. It was awesome. And I volcanoed over, uh, volcanoed, I, um, uh, did a helicopter ride uh, with my uh, husband, two kids, my brother and his wife over an active volcano uh, that um, and that erupted right in 2018 and in 2020. Uh, that was pretty uh, that was pretty cool. So two things off my bucket list. Check, check. <laughs> COVID took two years away from getting through that bucket list, you know. Uh, but anyway, I'm back. I don't know if I'm refreshed. I, I It's Tuesday and I'm already stressed and need another vacation. But let's talk about what's in the news. And that can be stressful, as you know. Let's kick it and check what's ripped. From the-, the FBI's unprecedented, I keep saying that, search of former President Donald Trump's Florida residents ricocheted around government, politics, and a polarized nation today, along with questions as to why the Justice Department, notably cautious under Attorney General Merrick Garland, decided to take such a drastic step. Well, answers weren't quickly forthcoming. Agents yesterday searched Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. It's also a private club. It was part of a federal investigation into whether the former president took classified records from the White House to his Florida residence, uh, which, by the way, is against the law. Uh, people, uh, uh, It marked a dramatic escalation of law enforcement scrutiny of the former president, He currently faces an array of inquiries tied to his conduct in the waning days of his administration. Now, from echoes of Watergate to the more immediate House probe of the January 6th Capitol insurrection, uh, Washington, a city it's used to August being pretty sleepy, reeled from one speculative or accusatory headline to the next. Was the Justice Department politicized? I'm going to tell you no, and here's why. Okay, I said it's not political. And one of these right wingers posted it. Thank you, by the way, for the post, for the retweets, for the number of people that followed me as a result of that and for spelling my name right. Thank you. I think it's Bridget or Brigitte Gabriel or whatever her name. And that's not her real name. Somebody told me it's uh, not her real name at all. We'll get to that another time. 
Uh, but um, and, and, and anyway, you know, you know, everybody thinks Leslie Marshall's crazy for saying this is not political. I'm not going to tell you why it's not political. Because Donald Trump did not look like we all know he's going to run. We all know he's going to announce it. His ego won't let him not do it. Right. I mean, he's a narcissist. Let's be honest. Um, but we don't all know that he would get the nomination. Because when you look at polls, more and more people, even people who voted for him are like, mm, been there, done that, had enough, don't want it again, don't want to go back to that. And some of his base, maybe because of January 6th, they, you know, the air had been let out of their sails. And Ron DeSantis really, I think, was the guy to watch and is the guy to watch, perhaps, uh, to become the uh, GOP nominee, unless he keeps his head so far up Trump's tushy there that he... Uh, <laughs> He becomes the VP. Yeah, I guess it get to decide. Do you want to be number one or you want him to be number two? Um, and when you look at the what's happened in the past 24 hours, Trump's name is all over the media again. Trump's base is riled up. If anything, this raid helped former President Trump. So if this was politicized, if this was for political gain, it backfired. Completely backfired. This isn't going to stop Donald Trump from running again, necessarily. I don't think anything could. But I do think this has helped him, given him a bump uh, popularity-wise um, in the polls and riled up his base even more, especially those that were kind of like over it or had chilled out. This has made them angry, put a match under their butts, right? So it's not political, because if it is, it's the stupidest political mistake, because it's helping the person that you want to politically uh, oppose and take down politically, right? So was the Department of Justice politicized? What prompted it to seek authorization to search the estate for classified documents? And now, months after it was revealed that Donald Trump had taken boxes of materials with him when he left the White House after losing the election? Um, now, the, the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, has not tipped his hand despite the outcry from some Democrats who were impatient over whether the department was even pursuing evidence that has surfaced in the January 6th probe and other investigations. And then from Republicans on the other side, who were swift to echo Trump's claims that he was the victim of political prosecution. And can I do a sidebar here? Senator Rick Scott, I hope you or some of your cronies are listening to me. This is nothing like Nazis invading people's homes. You said it on Twitter, on television, on the network I work on, Fox News. You, you, you said it on Twitter. I said on Twitter, and I'm saying it here. The Nazis went into the homes of Jewish people, took them and their children and their belongings and their home, put them on trains to concentration camps like Auschwitz, which were death camps, and they were murdered and then burned in ovens. Some of them burned alive, who were not fully dead after they tried to gas them in fake showers. This is nothing, nothing like the Nazis. Nothing. Please stop comparing Nazis and the Holocaust to people like myself that lost family in the Holocaust and to the victims' uh, families uh, of those murders. It's just abominable. You're pissing on the graves of people who suffered horrendous evil at the hands of men in SS uniforms. Uh, that is just a sidebar there. Anyway, what the Attorney General Garland has said publicly is that, quote, no one is above the law. No one is above the law. Hello, no one is above the law. Do you remember, you know, Richard Nixon, Republicans didn't say, no, 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 he didn't do it. What did they do? They sit down and had to come to Jesus moment and they're like, you know, we think you should resign. You got to get impeached and you're going to, and you're going to be removed. 
It's going to look better for you and the party if you go bye-bye now. And, you know, even though some Republicans came out on January 6th and they said, this is terrible, this is horrendous, they're singing a different tune now. Those that said Donald Trump was terrible and horrendous, they're singing a different tune now. This party has changed and not for the good. FBI agents descended on Trump's shuttered for the season home. He was in New York. He wasn't there. He was thousands of miles or so away. And they had search warrants. So this wasn't, you know, people were like, it was a raid. It was early in the morning. Nobody was notified. Hey, it's not a raid if you're notified, because then you can flush the evidence down the toilet, which we know the former president has a habit of doing. Now, the search yesterday intensified the months-long probe into how classified documents ended up in boxes of White House records located at Mar-a-Lago earlier this year. A separate grand jury is investigating efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. And it all adds potential legal peril for Donald Trump as he lays the groundwork for a potential repeat run for the White House as he keeps teasing, right? Familiar battle lines forged during a four-year presidency shadowed by investigations quickly took shape again. Trump and his allies sought to cast the search as a weaponization of the criminal justice system, playing the victim, right? Playing the victim. You have Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, defund the FBI. Isn't the FBI law enforcement? Wouldn't that be like defund the police? Hmm. I digress again. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue with more with Ripped from the headlines and more about this Trump uh, this uh, raid at Mar-a-Lago, uh, why it was done, what they were looking for. And of course, a lot of people are saying, why now? We'll talk about it right after this. Don't go away. I'm Leslie Marshall. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. We are back on Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back to the only true democracy in talk. And we go back to what is ripped from the headlines talking about the raid at Mar-a-Lago that took place uh, yesterday. Um, And uh, a lot of people, you know, they're talking all over the place, right? The Democrats are, you know, using this as a weapon, trying to keep them from winning another term in 2024. The Biden White House, by the way, said it had no prior knowledge. Current FBI Director Christopher Wray, a lifelong Republican and a Trump appointee uh, from five years ago, um, uh, you know, also uh, con- con- uh, um, also agrees, uh, concurs with the president and uh, that the FBI did not give the White House a heads up. Uh, Trump disclosing the search in a lengthy statement yesterday asserted the agents opened a safe at his home. He described the work as unannounced raid. Raids are unannounced. Uh, He said it was uh, prosecutorial misconduct. They had a warrant. Uh, By the way, the warrant was signed by somebody who has done a lot of stuff and worked for an attorney for Jeffrey Epstein, who was a friend of Donald Trump. Justice Department spokesperson Dina Iverson declined to comment on the search, including whether the attorney general um, had personally authorized it. About two dozen Trump supporters stood in protest mid-morning in the Florida summer heat and sporadic light rain on a bridge near the former president's residence. One had a sign that read, Democrats are fascist. Others carried flags saying 2020 was rigged, Trump 2024. Biden's name with an obscenity. Sometimes cars would honk when they passed by. The former vice president, Mike Pence, despite the fact that his former employer, Donald Trump, the president at the time, uh, didn't have a problem with people looking to hang him at the gallows, uh, and also a potential rival for Trump, tweeted, quote, yesterday, 
Yesterday tweeted uh, today, excuse me, yesterday's action undermines public confidence in a system of justice and Attorney General Garland must give a full accounting to the American people as to why this action was taken. He must do so immediately. I wouldn't totally disagree with that. I think people do distrust law enforcement, especially uh, on, on the right, if they're the ones being looked at. U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham said he spoke with Trump today, felt even more strongly after the search that Trump will run in 2024. Where you been, Lindsey? We all know that. He said, I believed he was going to run before. I'm stronger in my belief now. And Trump was planning to meet today at his Bedminster, New Jersey club with members of the Republican Study Committee. That group's headed by Jim Banks from Indiana, and they say it's committed to putting forth his priorities in Congress. The FBI reached out to the Secret Service shortly before serving that warrant. Uh, they, uh, Secret Service agents contacted the Justice Department. They were able to validate the warrant before facilitating access to the estate. So in other words, all the I's were dotted, all the T's were crossed. By the way, the Justice Department has been investigating the potential mishandling of classified information since the National Archives and Records Administration said it received from Mar-a-Lago 15 boxes of White House records including documents containing classified information. And that was earlier this year. The National Archives said the former president should have turned the material over upon leaving office. It asked the Justice Department to investigate, not Democrats. There are multiple federal laws governing the handle of uh, classified records and sensitive government documents, including statutes that make it a crime to remove such material and to retain it in an unauthorized location. Though a search warrant does not necessarily mean criminal charges are near or even expected, federal officials looking to obtain one must first demonstrate to a judge that they have probable cause that a crime occurred. Now, two people familiar with the matter um, have said the search was related to the records probe. Agents were also looking to see if Trump had additional presidential records or any classified documents at the estate. Why? Because they're not to be kept there. They're classified. They're to be locked up, and it's illegal. Trump previously maintained that presidential records were turned over, quote, in an ordinary and routine process. His son, Eric, said on Fox News last night he spent the day with his father and that the search happened because the National Archives wanted to corroborate whether or not the former president had any documents in his possession. That doesn't sound as nefarious as his father's trying to make it out to be. It certainly doesn't point a figure, finger at Democrats or political motivation. Asked how the documents ended up at Mar-a-Lago, Eric Trump said the boxes were among items that got moved out of the White House during six hours on Inauguration Day when the Bidens prepared to move into the building, when they were not greeted and the doors were locked, if you recall. He said, my father always kept press clippings. He had boxes when he moved out of the White House. Uh, Trump himself, in a social media post last night, called the search a weaponization of the justice system and attacked by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024. No, I do want you to run for president. I want the circus on your side of the aisle to continue. I want us to have one candidate on the left we're all focused on and getting stuff done for the best interest of the American people, this nation, and moving forward, progressing, because we're progressives. But on the left, on the right, uh, we want you uh, and Mike Pence and, uh, and 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 Governor DeSantis and others um, to to tear each other apart because um, you guys do that so well. Let's rip another. Good news. President Biden today signed a $280 billion package that aims to boost the domestic chip-making industry and scientific yeah. research. Fundamental change is taking place today, politically, economically, and technologically. That's what the president said before signing the Chips and Science Act. Quote, change that can either strengthen our sense of control and security of dignity and pride in our lives and our nation, 
or change that can weaken us. This is the moment we face, he added. Today is the day for builders. Today, America is delivering. Today, I am signing the law, the Chips and Science Act, a once-in-a-generation investment in America itself, a law the American people can be proud of. Now, why does this matter? The funding is meant to bolster the domestic production of semiconductors. That's a vital component for almost every electronic device that's in use today, not just here, but throughout the world. And it helps prevent future supply chain crises and helps us increase competition with China. The bill passed Congress late July, had bipartisan support, $52.7 billion in funding for U.S. semiconductor production, by this way, is jobs creator, and another $200 billion for scientific research, including a technology a directorate at the National Science Foundation, and that's meant to translate basic research into commercial products. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Let's rip The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled today that the House Ways and Means Committee can obtain former President Trump's tax returns from the IRS. Trump's been fighting the release of his tax returns to the committee for more than three years. And uh, the Ways Committee said we expect to receive the requested tax return and audit files immediately. Yes, but Trump can and likely will appeal the ruling, meaning the litigation over the documents will continue, and that drags on. The big picture here is the committee in its 2021 request to the IRS for the records, by the way, so this is over a year old now, says it plans to use them to assess the services presidential audit program though Trump and his lawyers argue the committee wants to publish them. The ruling stems from a lawsuit in 2019. That would be three years ago right? Um, a file by the House and Ways Means Chair Richard Neal, Democrat from Mass, to obtain a court order against the IRS to turn over the tax returns. Let's rip another. And an Atlanta judge ordered Rudy Giuliani to testify in person before a panel investigating the 2020 election on August 17th, unless a doctor can explain why he is unable to do so. Giuliani is among those closest to former President Trump that the Fulton County Special Purpose Grand Jury has subpoenaed. He was originally ordered to testify today. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney granted Giuliani about a week of additional time to travel to Atlanta after a doctor argued Giuliani could not travel by airplane following a recent cardiac procedure to implant stents. McBurney suggested Giuliani break into a few days a car trip to Atlanta to make it more doable over the next week. This of note, the judge granted Giuliani's legal medical team the opportunity to argue in detail why he needs additional time before making the trip to Atlanta. Giuliani's lawyers first attempted to shift his testimony to Zoom and also suggested DA, the district attorney staff, travel to New York to interview him. However, the DA's office maintained he must testify in person before a special purpose grand jury focused on that wide-ranging probe. Well, that's what's ripped for the headlines. We're coming up. Great guest. I hope you'll stick around for that. We're going to be talking about climate change and some other things in a moment, right here on the only true democracy and talk radio. Don't go away. We're back. Hey there. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. Uh, really glad to have with us today our guest uh, for the second half of the show, Tim Zank. Tim has worked in renewable energy project development and policy for two decades to build new technologies for difficult to decarbonize sectors. Presently, He's the president at Molecule LLC, where he works at the nexus of policy, finance, and technology to fight climate change and support an industrial transformation that is required for the U.S. to remain globally competitive in a zero-carbon future. Now, here in the United States, he represents renewable fuels leader 
Neste, and Hydrogen Logistics, and Aviation Pioneer, Universal Hydrogen, among other clients. He is the founder and executive director of the Washington Green Hydrogen Alliance and Clean Fuel in Washington. He was a senior executive at Sapphire Energy, a company that invented renewable crude oil, which is green crude, and they did it from algae. Earlier in his career, he served in several government roles in the Clinton-Gore White House, in Congress for Representative Norm Dixon on the staff of Washington's 19th governor, Booth Gardner. Check him out on Twitter, at Green Crude. More than a pleasure to have with us, Tim Zank, who is a, a, a crude, I don't want to say crude, but a shrewd guy uh, when it comes to green. And uh, really good to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Really great to be with you today, Leslie. Tim, this is a, a perfect timing for us to be talking, and obviously that was intentional. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act. There are a lot of people who are PO'd, myself included, about more IRS agents, but let's look at the bigger picture, okay? Um, there are ways that um, the Inflation Reduction Act will fight climate change. That's what this is about for the future of our planet, the future of our children. People have to remember there's going to be but life here, and we hope there'll be life here, our kids and our kids' kids, long after we're gone, we can't just worry about it when we're here, like I think a lot of folks over on the right do. Um, but let, let's look at ways, specifically five, where the Inflation Reduction Act will fight climate change, and maybe you have uh, you know, some, some more, right? Um, sure. And uh, there'll be more clean energy, and more clean energy means less dirty energy, right? And there'll also be well, some people want to say new punishments for methane leaks um, and billions of dollars for communities most in need of climate-related help. These are all provisions that have celebration among environmentalists and should have a celebration from everyone. Um, first of all, is this a monumental step for U.S. climate action, as some of the environmentalists are claiming? Yeah, it's 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 approximately five times larger than the last time Congress took a look at uh, climate-related uh, re initiatives uh, during the um, during the time when there was the financial failure, where where the bank the bank uh, failures resulted in substantial economic uh, downturn, and the Congress stepped in to do some sort of investment in different projects. But this is substantially larger than than that than that effort. Joe Manchin signed on for this one. And he was opposed to anything it seemed with the words climate or change in it. Um, yeah. What What do your folks tell you made him come around? You know what 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 you know because I mean this was this was pretty much you know a one eighty. Well, I think part of it was getting the uh, getting the 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 incentives structured in a way that allowed for uh, the the fossil fuel folks to get some things done that they needed to get done. Um, and the deal that was cut was basically, if you want, for every a ton of CO2 that is emitted through a fossil fuel industry investment uh, in this bill, 25 tons had to be remediated. And so, um, you know, it's a really good deal for the for the environment, and it's an incredible deal for climate change. But you know, the it's all about negotiation in these big Senate deals. And you know, I think what really it came all came down to was getting the the detail correct for Senator Manchin. Yeah, I would agree. The package calls for major spending to tackle uh, the climate crisis, in addition to extending health care coverage and reducing the deficit. Now, on top of tax credits, 
uh, to provide incentives, uh, those yeah. incentives to purchase electric vehicles um, or to use clean energy, you know, uh, alternate, you know, uh, energy, um, you know, sources like solar panels. And, and let's talk about that for a second, because there are a lot of people out there who say that, you know, middle to lower income families cannot or have not been able to, you know, up until now, perhaps afford an electric vehicle. And we definitely want to move in that direction. We see the world moving in that direction, or at least the uh, more industrialized world. Um, and then, you know, clean energy um, as well. Do these tax credits provide enough incentive financially uh, for the movement to go with the middle and lower income families to electric vehicles and clean energy sources? Well, these tax incentives are designed to be bolt on to other incentives that states offer. For example, the state of Washington has a clean car and a, a zero emission vehicle standard uh, that the states have implemented that will assist in the purchase of vehicles, whether new or used. And on top of that, uh, you have now a federal uh, incentive, which are critical. So the key here is buying down the cost of making that transition for um, zero emission or low emission vehicles, uh, particularly focused on folks who need assistance. So one of the features of this bill that other bills have not had was a cap on income that uh, so that um, not everybody is eligible for that that tax credit um, from an electric vehicle standpoint. So really focusing in on the core of the economy that really needs the assistance stretches your dollars and allows you to really implement this, you know, over over sort of the entire economy versus just people buying uh, Teslas. In fact, Teslas, um, uh, the expensive Tesla won't be um, um, won't be eligible for this tax credit. So these are for these are for cars that rank and file people drive. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. Um, when. The, the bill also aims to expand renewable energy production, also fund the development of technologies to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Because, you know, for some people don't fully understand, you know, what the bill will do specifically regarding these two areas and how. <clears throat> so the bill is really interesting. And I think one of the features of the, by the way, of this tax credit and the assistance that the federal government intends to provide to automakers and those companies that are making technology to go into the consumer marketplace so that people can purchase things and reduce the carbon intensity of their transportation is the fact, one of the features that I think is great, uh, which it requires uh, battery makers to be made here in the United States. And it provides incentives for um, you know, developing uh, an industry around uh, creating our own battery development industry versus uh, leaning on China uh, for you know some of the uh, from for their production assistance. And but overall, you know what these incentives do is they create a disincentive to use fossil fuels. Fossil fuels, for example, coal is more expensive than wind and solar today. Uh, natural gas is, is is more expensive than wind and solar today. And so these incentives essentially allow for the development of these assets and compete with the what had been uh, less expensive energy sources uh, and are now more expensive. Um, the climate portion of this legislation was significantly pared down from the original yep. ambitions that the Biden administration had in the Build Back Better Act. Um, but it would be, this still is, would you agree, the largest investment to address global warming in U.S. history 
Um, and so two questions here. Um, does even with it being pared down, will this still reduce the country's greenhouse gas emissions uh, and make a big enough dent uh, that we're not still pining for the Build Back Better Act? So the president's initial um, a goal when uh, when he addressed the issue of climate change was to reduce uh, carbon emissions by 50% by 2030. Uh, this bill does it 40% by 2030, and they believe the analysis shows that there's enough state and federal uh, leeway at the executive branch to get to the rest of the 10%. So it, it, it addresses the 50% reduction by 2030 directly, and it will get us there based on all the analysis that we see. Dan Lashoff, who is the U.S. Director of the World Resources Institute, there you know him and you know them. They're out of Washington. Uh, they're a nonprofit research group. They say that this bill is transformative, and, and they added that it was the culmination of decades of work to enact meaningful climate legislation. This is what he said in a news briefing, quote, it would be yesterday, it would be hard to overstate what a pivotal moment this was with the Senate. Um, I, I'm sure that you would agree with that. Anything you want to add to it? Yeah, no, there's no question. First of all, um, you know what? Well, I, I didn't realize we're up against a break. Hang on. Oh. I'm going to have you answer that on the other side of this break. And we'll talk more about the investments in clean energy that this bill provides and, uh, you know, how fighting climate change um, is truly a part of this Inflation Reduction Act and how that benefits uh, many of us, especially when it comes to that four letter word jobs. We'll be back with our guest. Tim Zank, right after this, follow him on Twitter at Green Food. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go. And we're back. We're talking with Tim Zank. Tim has worked with Renewable Energy Project Development and Policy for decades. He is presently president at Molecule LLC. He is our guest, and he can be found and followed at Twitter at Green Crude, that is his handle. We are talking with him about the Inflation Reduction Act and how it will fight climate change and, um, you know, the, and, and what it will mean. Before the break, uh, I asked you a question, but I, I do uh, want to ask you, when we talk about investments in clean energy, it's also an investment in the American people and the American economy, isn't it? I mean, won't this be a huge jobs creator? We need to retool the entire economy so that we can be competitive globally, and we have to do that with the assistance of the US government. That's the way every economic transition has occurred in the past throughout our entire history. And so we need to do the same this time to remain competitive globally against China and others, other nations who are investing heavily in this area. I mean, in the bill, there's $10 billion for manufacturing facilities for electric vehicles and wind turbines and solar panels. And there's another 30 billion in production tax credit for domestic manufacturing of solar panels, batteries, uh, and things like that. Um, and there's another 20 billion for helping refit and retool manufacturing facilities at Ford Motor Company and a number of other uh, organizations, U.S. manufacturers that create a lot of jobs here in the United States. And so that's what we have to do. Oh, absolutely. So let's break it down. I had mentioned the five and, you know, we don't have tons of time. We talk about huge investments in clean energy. You talked about some consumers eligible for 7,500 tax credits for buying new electric vehicles, $4,000 in credits for used electronic vehicles. So they, you know, took care of that as well. Um, so, it, you know, people can uh, lower their energy cost. Um, and, and this really is pushing us as a nation uh, to, to be a part of what the world is doing, right? I mean, to um, have electric vehicles. 
uh, electricity production, uh, uh, you know, derived from wind, solar, clean hydrogen, carbon removal. Um, it, it's not just a framework for the future environmentally or climate wise, but economically as well, right? No question about it. You know, in order to make this transition, the United States, globally, the United States as the global leader in just about everything there is in the world, we have to lead. And this bill uh, by the United States Senate and the House uh, really put a, puts us in the number one slot again where we should be, because if the United States isn't leading, no one will. Does this keep our climate goals within reach? Uh, you know, you had talked about, you know, the, the, the bill saying we could reduce our U.S. emissions by about 40 percent below 2005 levels by 2030. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I, I mean, that's the that's the key ingredient here. So you have to assess, assess the ability to reduce the carbon intensity of all of our processes um, uh, that, that are generate carbon dioxide. And um, this bill will uh, get us to 40 percent by 2030 uh, reduction in carbon intensity of 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 um, of manufacturing in all sectors of our economy. But the good news here is in addition to that, the goal has been 50% reduction, you'll recall, President Biden set that goal when he came into office. And it, the analysis shows that we are well within uh, reach of receiving of reaching that 50% goal with additional administrative actions at the federal level and the state level. Remember, leaders like California, Washington, Oregon are all significantly addressing carbon intensity issues here as well. We look at the goal in trying to curb methane uh, methane emissions. Um, yeah. And, you know, we talked about how this is not the Build Back Better plan, um, a Build Back Better Act. Uh, but the measure does introduce a fee that would penalize fossil fuel companies for excess yeah. methane emissions uh, from drilling oil and gas. Uh, methane is a potent greenhouse gas that's released into the atmosphere when coal, oil, natural gas are mined and transported, and, and microbes can also emit methane in low oxygen environments. Um, em emissions of methane have been responsible for about 30% of global warming uh, since pre-industrial times. That's according to the UN Environment Program. So how much will this be able to curb methane emissions? Are these measures to introduce those fees enough? When we know sometimes these big companies, uh, you know, uh, turn their backs or poo-poo regulations already in place, will they try and do the same with this? Well, this is one of the deals that Mr. Manchin cut. Uh, and one of the reasons we have this bill today was the uh, the framework that's been put in place to, uh, for those fossil fuel companies that have em uh, methane emission issues. Uh, it's both of a carrot and a stick policy. So there's incentives to do the right thing on methane reductions. At the same time, there are impacts if they don't. And so the carrot and stick approach has been found to be very effective in environmental regulations, it allows the companies to solve their own problems uh, and avoid those penalties uh, and provide incentive to do that. So, you know, I think the bill really gets at the heart of how to reduce methane issues. Let's talk about something else in the bill and something people have heard talked about before this legislation, which is environmental justice. Yep. And this climate bill earmarks 60 million for environmental justice initiatives in disadvantaged communities, because there are communities that are disproportionately affected by climate change. We know those tend to be poorer communities. Um, this would include $3 billion in grants uh, to promote clean and accessible transportation, a billion for clean buses, garbage trucks, and other heavy-duty uh, vehicles. 
Um, how do these provisions helping frontline communities um, deal with this, uh, find and seek environmental justice for these disadvantaged communities? Well, first of all, it's 60 billion, not million. Uh, so it's it's a huge chunk of money. Um, but, uh, you know, on the environmental justice side, where you see concentrations of carbon emissions and other and other uh, criteria pollutants, not just, you know, uh, socks and knocks and all the stuff that cause cancer and other issues are all tend to be in areas where there are very large transportation networks, Interstate 5, the New Jersey Turnpike, airports, ports, uh, seaports, marine ports, and guess what? Communities of interest live near those places. Mm -hmm. And so this money will be focused and uh, focused on addressing emissions of those point sources in those communities that are being disadvantaged by that. And so I think that's an absolutely essential ingredient to addressing uh, uh, the, the sort of the the inequity in, in environmental um, uh, management that that has occurred over the last uh, 30, 40 years. There are those talking about the bigger picture with this legislation, the message, not that we just get here in the United States, but the important message that this sends to our partners internationally. I mean, experts agree if implemented, the Inflation Reduction Act would play an important role in signaling to the global community that, hey, the United States is serious about doing its part to fight climate change. And some people say that's a game changer. Do you agree? And if so, why? Gives the president an amazingly powerful uh, poker hand to play on the global stage with. Now, all of a sudden, the United States put up uh, and, and put its money where its mouth is for the first time ever on climate change. And so now it's going to force the rest of the world, particularly Europe and Asia and China, I would say, particularly, to really react and respond um, in order to try to keep up or maintain sort of a, a close second uh, fiddle to uh, where, we, where, we, where we could end up here. And so it's a big negotiating tool for the president and his team to use. Uh, the bully pulpit for for a change to really force and, and encourage other countries to get in the game here. There are very aggressive measures that have been introduced in places like the EU. Um, like you said, it could spur other countries to act. Um, but because it makes us look like we're catching up to the aggressive climate measures introduced in the EU, now um, we're not leading from behind anymore. We've taken I, first place with this, right? Clearly. We've taken first place. But, you know, the difference between how the U.S. regulates climate and, and Europe is that Europe uh, favors mandates. Uh, so all sticks, no carrots. Whereas the U.S. politicians and U.S. policymakers have really favored this carrot and stick approach because we think there's so much ingenuity out there uh, within the private sector um, that uh, we might as well you know, leverage that with both the carrot and the stick. And so the advantage is, is that, you know, you could easily see the uh, the amount of CO2 that's reduced in this bill to be, you know, another 30% greater than it already is today in the analysis. So because uh, of the approach we took on the policy side. Do you think this will help the president going forward with the more progressive faction of the Democratic Party who've been pushing for climate change legislation for a very long time? 
I hope so. I hope they align up and really realize the substantial, substantial impact that the success of this bill would have on our climate and the important uh, place in history that this bill really should be placed. And it also shows you don't have to be just a progressive to believe in climate change and to put legislation like this forth. Joe Biden's clearly a, a more centrist and moderate Democrat, as you know, I myself am. Um, I, I hope this is something that can unite us, not just with our world partners, but in this country and certainly within my party, the Democrats. Well, you know, progressives are kind of late to the climate change party as far as I'm concerned. So <laughs> it's glad to have them on board. <laughs> and uh, the, the, a lot of this legislation go, oh I hear the music we're out of time I, we'll have to have you back I, I'm very much enjoying talking really to Tim uh, Tim Zank thank you for being with us president at Molecule LLC please follow him on Twitter at Green Crude thank you Tim it's been a pleasure have a wonderful afternoon